Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. I titled our message, Promises Made to be Broken? Question mark. Right? You've always heard this. Right? Oh, you know, promises are made to be broken. Sarcastically or as an excuse or just people who are cynical about people making promises because people their whole lives have broken their vows with them or promises with them. But tonight we're going to see the difference between a man's promise, which always fails, versus our God and his promise. Let's, um, I'm going to read from verse 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. Yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to learn more about you about your ways, about your will, about your truth. Father, with your grace, Lord God, we ask that you teach all of us with, the, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, give me the wisdom to know what to say and what not to say tonight. Let it be about you and you alone. Let it be just about your truth and nothing but the truth, Father God. I pray, Lord, for the lost soul that you brought here this evening. I pray that they will surrender their lives to you tonight. And Father, I pray for those who are broken. I pray for their restoration. Please encourage them and enlighten them. And Father, I pray for those who are earnestly seeking you. May they find you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Promises are made to be broken. Unfortunately, if you don't know it yet, we live in a broken world. Right? As the elections are coming fast, like, you're going to hear a lot of promises made to you. Some of these politicians will be making promises leaning to what you want, whether it's a financial situation that you think is going to benefit you or your health or some other structure that will basically benefit you, the voter. The politician's main goal and their party is to, to make you vote for them. So they're going to open their mouth and give you heaven and earth just to get your vote. Some of them are true to their promises, but, but most of them are not. You don't need to say amen to that. <laughs> I don't need to know your point of view there. <laughs> but isn't it true? A lot of promises that are made by people are usually broken the, the second after they get what they really wanted from you. Sadly, promises seem to be broken all the time. Let's look at marriages. Half of marriages fail. More than half, I believe. I know I gave this example before, but I'll give it again. If you were to ride a plane and they told you, well, half of the time this will crash and not get to its de destination, will you actually still ride that plane? Your, your answer will probably be no, never mind. Thank you very much. But that's what we do for marriage. We make promises. We say Till death do us part, through sickness and through health, right? 
But some of the time when our partners get sick or our, our spouses get sick, we, we're done. We're done with them. Because we just wanted happiness. We just wanted health. Correct? We didn't want the challenges. Do we agree? The, the promises of, of parents to their children. I will never leave you. Right? That's what they say. Some parents uh, are quick to leave the minute they see an alternative. They leave their children. Their family, whether it's the father or the mother, promises seem to be always made only to be broken. But the good thing is, with God, with our Lord, He's always true to His promises. Amen? He, he's always true to His promises. But we're not, uh, as believers, if you've been a believer, sometimes there's disappointments that come our way. There are times that there are our prayers weren't answered the way we want God to answer our prayers. But the problem is not God and if he's true to his promises. The, the problem is what we're asking for, what we are asking for, and how we're using God. Just the word using is, alone is wrong on how we treat God with our prayers and our requests to him. Are his promises broken? Never. His promises are always true. It's us who he shows and reveals to us that it is us who needs to be true to our promises, to him and to each other. Let's begin with this one. Matthew. This is also in James 5.12. But let your yes be yes. This is Jesus speaking. And your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. The hardest thing is when somebody breaks their promise to you. Right? When somebody disappoints you, everything, sometimes, the, the saying, all hell breaks loose. Right? That, that's when we lose it. Because we were counting on this person to help us, to be there for us. But yet, they don't do and they weren't true to what they said. That's when families break. That's when partnership fails. And sometimes we do point to God and say, you weren't true to your promise, Lord. But we're going to see tonight that as Paul is still talking to the Galatian church, to whom were, were infiltrated with Judaizers, Christian Jews that were trying, that have infiltrated the church and have been telling that church that they need more than just what grace through Jesus is to be a believer. So let's start here. I know I read this earlier, but let's see it again. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. Brothers and sisters, the human covenant is, is just like a will, right? But uh, an agreement, an agreement, a covenant is made between two equals. So do you agree that God and Abraham are equal? No, they're not equal. So this covenant was actually made by God to God. This is God's covenant to himself, although it was made 
with Abraham. If you're, we're going to see it later that Abraham was there. But everything was done by God for God on this covenant. covenant. If one person in a covenant breaks the agreement, the other party is no longer responsible on their part of that, that agreement. The Old Testament covenant, however, was not between God and Abraham, but between God and God. It was a covenant in which God did it all. He made the promise to redeem a people for himself and fulfilled it in Christ, even though he knew that the people he chose would not keep their end of the agreement to obey him. We agree? The whole human history, we have failed God. Amen? Our promises that we make to God, we fail to keep it. I remember when there was an earthquake back in 1990, and it was my first earthquake. I've always felt tremors there before this big one. It was 7.1, I think, 7.3. It was scary. In an earthquake, you can't run anywhere, right? Because so, <laughs> while you're running, everything's shaking, right? The, the earth underneath you is moving. Things are falling, loud banging. I made promises to God that day. <laughs> so did my neighbors made promises to God that day. I heard some of my neighbors say, I'm never going to gamble again, Lord. After the last aftershock, they went back to their old ways. Same with me. I kept saying, and my, my brother and my sister were saying, we're going to be good kids, Lord. Because we were thinking it was the end of the world. We're going to be good. We're going to go pay our parents. We're going to obey our parents. Sometimes when we pray and we're asking God, we're, we're making and we're making a tra business transaction with Him, right? When we were praying for my dad's petition to bring us here to the states, we were praying. We were saying, uh, "Lord, let this uh, this petition be approved. We'll go to the states. We'll be so good to you. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll do good things for you." A month later, that all went out the window. After I was here, I was Americanized right away. <laughs> Or we make promises to God and we don't keep them. We make promises to God and we don't keep them. But then we know, as you can see, God is true to his promises. And that's what we're going to try to tackle tonight again. And Paul here, Paul's analogy here is of like the, the will or a testament in the Greek or in the Roman uh, world. Where when, um, when the will... If even if, well, let me see my notes. Where is my note? It is probably the legal instrument Paul is referring here, which is a, a last will or testament in the Ro Roman world. It was widely used by God's covenant with his people, which is the pre Christian Greek translation, um, the Septuagint. Septuagint, yes. I I watched a YouTube video how to pronounce it, and I still forgot it. That one. <laughs> Paul was using that. Even if Paul's opponents admitted that Abraham was justified by faith, those Judaizers that penetrated the Galatian church might have argued that the law coming at a later time entirely changed the basis for achieving salvation. To disprove this or to argue this, Paul declared that just as properly executed Roman covenant or will cannot be exchanged 
probably reference to the Greek law. So the promises of God are permanent and immovable. Do we agree? I hope it, it, it comes through. Also, the promises spoken to Abraham and to his seed were not fulfilled before the giving of the law. Rather, they found fulfillment in Christ and are in effect forever. The blessing of justification by faith, therefore, is permanent and could not be changed by the law. The Ten Commandments was not able to change that justification by faith by any means. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean, believer? The decision you've made years ago or last week or, or the decision you're going to make today if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord is permanent. If you surrender to God and to His Lordship and accept Him as your Lord, and he becomes your savior from your sins, from the consequences of your sin. It is permanent. That is it. That's all you need to do. Now, do we have good days and bad days? Yes. Sometimes we have more bad days than good. I myself am having a bad day today. <laughs> but praise God for the prayers and the schedule, as I was telling the deacons earlier. The schedule somehow... You know, sometimes the schedule of our day rescues us from our emotions. Do we agree? Do you always feel good at work? No, but you go to work because that's on your schedule. Do we agree? And I plead with the believers here. That's the purpose too. One purpose of church on Sundays. The schedule of worshiping God one hour, or if you go here, three hours. I'm, scared. I'm scaring the visitors. I'm just kidding. The, an hour a day of your week rescues you because that's in your schedule. It rescues you from the emotions that are dragging you away from being intimate with the Lord and being in fellowship with believers and hearing His Word and learning more about Him. Do we agree? Today, that rescued me today because I know it was too late to call on Brother Richard or Pastor Charles to deliver a message today. I was having a bad day. And so do people, right? So do you. you. When you have a bad day, sometimes we don't act or speak as if we are believers. But you know, the promise of God that we are justified by faith, that it's permanent, it had nothing to do with us. It all had to do with that just one decision that we surrendered to Him. Isn't that wonderful? I guess so. A couple people. That's all right. <laughs> Justification by faith. What does it mean? Romans 5.1. I read it earlier, right? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the book by Dr. Charles Stanley, he explains the meaning of justification. The Greek verb tense used in this verse means a once and for all transaction. That's it. We have been justified, that is. Declared not guilty once and for all. The word justify is not only a theological term, but it is a judicial or legal term as well. As far back as the book of Genesis, 
the question was asked, shall not the judge of the earth deal justly? If we accept the Lord Jesus Christ who died in our place, we are justified at peace and spared from the penalty of our sin. Amen? Amen. That deserves a loud amen. Amen. Because God has done it all for us. So now we're going to see here. Paul mentioned, he brings us back to Abraham and the promise that was made to Abraham. So that what, that's what we're going to try to see. Please turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 before we get to the other one. Genesis is the first book, as many of you know, and probably sometimes the most neglected book. But there's a lot of the treasures there too for our faith to solidify our knowledge about our faith. Genesis 1 to 3, promises to Abraham. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in all and and in you all, the families of the earth shall be blessed. Is that the wonderful promise of God to Abraham? You know, what thing, the one thing I also see there is, is it, is the blessing in America or is the blessing in the Philippines? Is the blessing in, in Saudi Arabia or is the blessing in, in, in Australia? The blessing is where God wants you to be. Amen? Amen. It's hard to say for most of us here because we're already thinking about going back to the Philippines when we retire, right? Because our money's more there. So I'm thinking the blessing should be there. It's $55 to 55 now, right? For, for many Filipinos in, 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 in the Philippines, they want to come to America because they think the blessing are here. And the Filipinos are there are wanting to go back. So it's like, where is it? Where's God's blessing? God's blessing is where God wants you to be. So do you know where God wants you to be? Do you even know God? Because if you know God, that's the blessing itself right there. Knowing God, having Him as your Lord, surrendering everything about your life to Him, not doing anything that is against His will, that alone is the blessing. Do we agree? People that are, that are healthy but have no care about the Lord, are different from people who are sick but love God, but their peace, the people that are sick but love God, have more peace than the healthy people. So it's not in your place where you're staying. It's not the, the financial status that you have or don't have. It's not the condition of your body. It is the surrender of your heart and your mind to the Lord Almighty. Abraham followed it. And if you know your Bible, Abraham is called the father of all nations, right? A lot of blessings came through from Abraham because Abraham obeyed. Abraham obeyed. Abraham was obedient to God. Next one here. After Lot had separated from Abraham, the Lord said to Abraham, Look from the place where you are. Look north and south, east and west, for I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. See, there was a, 
before they separated, before, if you, you know the story, Abraham and Lot, before they separated, there was an argument between, between the people of Lot and between the people of Abraham about a well. And Abraham being so surrendered to the Lord, he said that wherever you go, where, if you go to the right, I go to the left. If you go to the east, I go to the west. He, was, he, was, he didn't want to argue. They didn't want to argue. But then because Abram was surrendered, he wasn't looking at the situation with his human eyes. He was looking to the fact that God is in control of all things. Believer, do you still surrender to that truth? Do you still believe that God is in control of all things? When things are going well, it's easy to say amen. But when things are not going well, when things are not going as planned, when sudden interruptions in our life or disappointments in our life arises, do we still surrender to God's sovereignty? Do we still trust in His love? Like Abram, my prayer is that we can all be like Abram. Look at the situation, every situation, with God's eyes. Knowing that God is in full control of everything. Knowing that God loves you. Knowing that God has the power to restore whatever it is that is broken. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring. And there's no S. It's one. It's singular. Offspring. Because you have obeyed my command. Now turn your Bibles to Genesis 24. A few pages down. 24 verse 7. Another promise there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son there. And ex that's exactly how it happened. Abraham trusted God. Because he knew God. And God spoke to him. God's word is in. It's, it's our. It's, we have it. It's our dispense. The Bible. The inspired word of God. He speaks to us through the Bible believers. The question is are you reading your Bible? Many times we're not. We're, we're satisfied with an inspirational verse for the day. Right? Or a snippet of a video snippet. All right? An encouraging Facebook post. We're good with that. We're good. I'm good and fed. It's true. It encourages us. Hopefully it does encourage you. Hopefully it does enlighten you. Those, those mini verses or or, or small preachings or devotionals. But the bottom line is, if you truly want to know God and His promises to you, if you really want Him to speak to you, start reading your Bible. Amen? A lot of our faith fails because we don't know God's will and His ways for us. Us believers, we act as if we're unbelievers at times. It's crazy. 
And it's disappointing. If you truly want to know God, the Bible says, He who earnestly seeks me will find me. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. But we stopped, right? Because we, we didn't get our prayer. We wanted this wife for us. We wanted this specific wife, and God gave us the cousin of that wife. And we're so miserable. <laughs> we're like, why did you give me the cousin, Lord? <laughs> you left out the fact that the wife that you were praying for, the cousin, was already married. <laughs> but yet you were still praying for it, right? Sometimes we, we, we act as if we're, we're going to rebel. When things don't go our way, when God didn't answer our prayers, or things as we think life, Christian life should be, and it's not turning out the way we thought it would, we get disappointed and we run away. We, we don't bother searching the Word of God. We don't know doctrines about our faith. We stopped at saved by grace and by grace alone. That's all we know. As much as that's all that's going to save you, there's so much about our faith that you're missing out on. There's so much about our faith that you're missing out on. Verse 26, go to chapter 26, verse 4, in, uh, still in Genesis. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. God speaking to Abraham. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And who's that seed? That seed is Jesus Christ. Amen? And verse 5 says, Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. We are saved by grace, but we are asked by God to obey his commands. Because Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commandments. When it's not about the Ten Commandments that will save you. We agree. We've done this many weeks now, right? It's only by, by accepting Jesus as our Lord. And by that grace, we are saved. Not by obeying the Ten Commandments to get us saved. But once we're saved, we become obedient. Amen? Because of, out of our love relationship with Him. Continue with Galatians. Chapter... 3, verse 16, the second part. And notice that the scripture, we read it earlier, doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. It didn't say to his offsprings, but rather to his offspring. It didn't say to his seeds, but rather to his seed. Some of your versions will show that. Right? So now please go to the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew. If you want your Bible now, please raise your hand. If you didn't raise it earlier. <laughs> I told you you guys need your Bible tonight. Matthew chapter 1. I want to show you the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So you can see the trace. I know... Back when I did my first Bible journey, I was quick to just go past these names. I didn't know the significance of it. If you're like me before, I hope that you will see the treasure 
why this was placed here. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez got, begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her, by her who had been the wife of Uriah, which is Bathsheba. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam, Rehoboam begot Ab Abijah, and Ab Abijah begot A <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Jeram, and Jeram begot Uzziah. And Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, <laughs> and I'll just call him Andrew. Andrew begot Zorin, Zerubbabel begot Abiod, and then jump down to verse 16, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom who was born Jesus, who is called Christ. If you're sitting there and you're still skeptical, if Jesus is true, if God is real, then you can try to really do if you're sincerely asking the question, but sincerely trying to find out the real answer, review this and investigate the trace of Jesus Christ. Because other than us seeing that Jesus came from the line of Abraham, this is for us to also see and investigate. If we want to find out if the the person in Jesus Christ did exist because here is a trace of a family tree, right? And if you're going to go through that list too, you'll see a lot of what? Imperfect people used by God. So if you're still sitting there, you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. God cannot use me. Look at that list and then talk to me again about you not being perfect. Because I'm really thinking about, I'm really considering putting a sign by our front door of our church to put no perfect people allowed. <laughs> because if you're perfect, then you're not allowed to be here. Because we are sinners saved by grace. Amen? And you look at that list, you look at David committing adultery and murder. Him and Bathsheba, but then Jesus Christ came from that line, right? I know we have Boaz, who was so noble that he took in Ruth. Yes, there are people too that God uses with, with that kind of background. But there's also, but more so, there are more people like Abraham, who was a coward. He didn't want to admit that he was married to Sarah because he was afraid that they might kill him because Sarah was good looking. Tell them, I'm your brother, okay? <laughs> so they will be good to me, right? And the same thing, Jacob. Jacob the deceiver. So there's, 
in that long list shows you that that Jesus Christ is came from Abraham which is the seed that God made that promise with Abraham many years ago and that list also shows you a lot of people that are not perfect but yet God used them amen God used them see if you're not perfect God can use you do we agree because I'm not perfect I'm not perfect far from it ask my family they'll be more than happy to tell you I'm really not the people that are close to me they can see that so it's but it's about Jesus amen it's about God doing it through us and it's about us allowing the Holy Spirit lead us and move us to another level it's the same thing with Luke. Let's let's go to Luke chapter 3. See that that's there's beauty there in hearing those pages. Right? You should have joy in hearing those pages turn. That means somebody hopefully will learn something from God. See if you could just if you're just doing it through your phone, there's no authenticity, I think. As much as it's so convenient, there's no authenticity. But if you do this, goodness and you can smell that paper, hopefully, because, you know, you're using the Bible. You're reading the Bible. You're going to hear from God. The difference with Luke is he started from the bottom, right? I'm not going to read the whole thing because I just discovered it was so hard with those names. <laughs> 2338. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, and the son of Jana, the son of Joseph, the son of Mataniah, the son of Amos. And then we jump to verse 38, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, and the son of Adam, and the son of God. It's all rooted down. Don't you see the beauty now? Of that, those chapters and those verses that you used to skip, there's so much truth in that if you just find out the genealogy. The bad thing is, when we, us people, we're good in ju judging the children because of their parents, right? Oh, he's like that because you know who the father is, right? <laughs> right? When, especially when they're misbehaving, right? Especially when they're misbehaving, oh. Look at that girl. You know who the mom is, right? <laughs> well, apple does not fall far from the tree. That's, that's what they say. The fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. We're so good in making that judgment. But again, if you look at the genealogy there, a lot of imperfect people used by God for his glory. and for It's to encourage us to remove the lie from the enemy that if you're not perfect, he can't be used by him. That's a lie. But that's what sin does. When we sin against God, we get paralyzed. We get paralyzed. Sin paralyzes us. You know that? It makes us ineffective to be used by God. There's this story, and I'm really hoping it'll, it'll, it'll connect with the point. If not, hopefully it's funny enough. <laughs> I'm not kidding. A person bought a zoo. He bought a zoo. He didn't have any idea if, zoo, if a zoo will make money, but 
He just bought a zoo because he thought, hey, you know, there's nothing else to do with my money. I'll maybe buy a zoo. He bought a zoo. He sends out a, a, a newsletter to everyone in the city saying, hey, you know, come, grand opening. He, he put it at 50 bucks. He said, $50 for grand opening price. Nobody came the first day. He kept it for at least five days. Six days, he said, you know what? I'm going to lower it down. Lowered it by half. He put 25 bucks. Still, no one came. He got so upset after drinking. He drank the whole night, and he was so upset. So he said, you know what? I got an idea. I'm going to do it for free. Sends out a newsletter. Says, entrance is free. The whole town came to the zoo. He was packed. He then ordered his people to lock the gates and let the lions out. And then he had a sign by the exit. Exit, $500. <laughs> sin, sin entices you and traps you and you think you're going to enjoy, but then at the end of the day, you have to pay with your life. You have to pay with your life. It's money that you cannot afford. It's a payment that you cannot pay. That's what sin does. Believers, we are saved by grace, but we are told by the Lord to not sin against him. We're going to continue with God's promise. Jesus Christ is God's promise. Do we agree? Acts 3.25, And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Though your offspring, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. And this is what God told the enemy in the garden in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Her, he shall bruise your head and you shall, and you shall bruise his heel. This is where we see the final defeat of the enemy through Jesus Christ. Oh, death, where is your sting? No more, because Jesus paid for it. Again, that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. That was the promise that God has given. This is Paul telling them, the Galatian church, that there's no adding to what Jesus Christ has already done. The promise to Abraham was Christ. We continue. And, you know, the payment for our sin has blood must be shed, right? And with blood means life. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned, right? Look at this, Genesis 3, 7. When they sinned, when Eve was deceived and Adam wasn't deceived by the enemy, but he couldn't live without Eve because he's the only woman he's ever known, right? He literally did probably say, you're the only woman here. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The coverings is like the good works that we think we can do to earn heaven. The good things that we think we can continue to do so that we will not burn in hell. That's the fig leaves 
that they did. But look at the difference when God did it. The Lord God made garments of skin, the first leather clothing. But if it, since it's the skin of an animal, the animals were killed and blood was shed in payment of their sin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. It was God who made the way for Adam and Eve to be saved from their sin. Just like it is for us, it was God who made the way to pay for our sins against him. By giving Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? Again, if you look at yourself in an in a honest way and in a sincere way, knowing that there is nothing about you that is perfect, that is worthy of heaven, but yet God made a way. God made a way and paid for it all. I know we're only tackling two verses in Galatians, but this is what the Galatian church went through. They forgot the grace, the gospel that was given to them to begin with. Believer, we're not going to be legalistic believers here. By saying, But when we say you need to obey God, we're not saying so that you can be saved. We're saying you obey God because you are saved. Amen? We are saying that you need to be obedient to God because you understand what it took Him for you to be with Him. Because it's out, it is out of your gratitude. It is not because you need to be saved. It is because you're saved. Jesus' blood equals payment for the sin for those who believe. This is Jesus speaking. And you know, tonight we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And I praise God of his timing here because this is the covenant. This is my blood of the covenant, the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, it says there for many, not all, right? For many, there's many. For those who believe in him, this is the blood, his blood was shed. And I know that's clear for us. If you've been going to this church from the very beginning, I know this has been very hammered between Pastor Julius and Pastor Charles. They've been hammering this. Right? And then for my last three years, I have no other topic but this, I think. <laughs> no, this is what it is, right? Amen. Jesus did it all for us. Amen? Jesus did it all for us. But now, is he true to his promise? Because Jesus was the promise. The answer is yes. God is true to his promises. But then you're probably sitting there, but you know, Joe, I've been praying. I've been praying for help for many years. But he hasn't answered my prayers. He hasn't been true to his promise to me. Because, you know, there is this thing. It's not the procrastination way. Because I know we use it in the procrastination way, right? What's the Christian way of procrastination? I'll pray about it. And in God's time, right? Sometimes we use those things as a way out of us reasoning of our delay of obedience or action. 
But there is such a thing as God's time. When He fulfills His promises to us, to each and every one of us, depending on our obedience, it happens in His time. Here's one example. Joseph the dreamer. So I'm not going to bore you, but you can go to your Genesis again. If you miss when I preached about this before, this is in Genesis 37. But he was 17 years old, Joseph the dreamer, when he was sold by his brothers. 30 years old when he was made Egypt's prime minister. When he, 39 when he first saw his brothers. 41 when his dream of them and his father bowing down to him. That was in chapter 37, verse 7. Remember when he said, oh, I had a vision or I had a dream. That my sheave and, you know, this many sheaves were bowing down to my sheave. See, how many years is that? Even when he was in jail, the cupbearer, when after he told him about his dream and he told him, don't forget about me, it took that cupbearer two years to remember of Joseph the dreamer. Imagine that. Well, yes, you could say Joseph's not only a dreamer, Joseph's a very patient man, right? He is. But if you look at God in Joseph's life, it took many years before God's will and promises truly happened for Joseph. For the new belief, for the believer now, you know, on the, with the, first, the first part, when we were sold to slavery, we're done. Gosh, if this is Christianity, then I don't want it. Right? A challenge with our spouse, a challenge with our children, a challenge at our work, a challenge financially. We're done with Christianity. I don't want this. This is too hard. Right? Some of us, we could go through it. But that's many years later. I'm going to give it a shot. But, uh, 13 years? 24 years? There you go. See, I said I was going to give it a shot, right? <laughs> At least I took a shot. <laughs> Next one. Next example. How about the promise, the prediction when Jesus was going to be born? It took, what, 700 years. 700 years when Micah predicted Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Look at that. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. 700 years, 4,100 years after the covenant with Abraham. My goodness, that's a long time. Do we agree? American Christian, we're done on the fifth year. <laughs> well, time to change faith. This is not happening. I don't think that Jesus is coming anytime soon. It's been five years. That's how impatient we are. We're laughing, but that's how we act. Do we agree? Lord, change my spouse, Lord. Change him. Change her. It's been many years, Lord. I'm about ready to just get this guy out of the door and say yes to that date that my coworker has been asking me. He's been working out too. He forgot to work out. 
she doesn't eat too much. She eats a lot. And we're, we're, so, we're so good in quitting, right? Because it's easier to quit than to hold on to the promises of God. Do we agree? The first mistake of a person trying to ask their spouse to change is they have their minds different. The prayer should be, Lord, change me. Okay, I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that your spouse is right or is wrong. But the prayer should be, Lord, change me. Why? Look at Joseph again. So if he prayed, Lord, change my brothers, while he was with Potiphar, would it have worked out? No. There was no prayer from Joseph saying, Lord, change my brothers. When he was, at, uh, he was a slave at Potiphar's uh, uh, household, he also was the overseer there. Did he say, Lord, change Potiphar, that he will just won't make me a slave? No. Then Potiphar's wife accused him of rape. Then he was thrown in jail. Did he pray, Lord, change Potiphar's wife? No. Nothing. Joseph's eye was just on God and God alone. So with Abraham, when he finally walked ever so closely with the Lord, his eyes was removed, were removed from him and what he could do about the situation. That's why he told Lot, go to the left. If you choose the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the east, I'll go to the west. Right? He left it all up to God. Believers, we need to continue to learn to leave it all up to God because we need to trust in His timing and His sovereignty and in His love. Amen? Because His timing is better and it's perfect. Now the question is, after knowing that God is true with His promises, the questions are, now what? Right? Now what? God is true to his promises. Now what? Jesus' blood paid for our sin. Now what? What is it? What are we to do? If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, what the thing that you need to do tonight is to accept Jesus as your Lord. And then be freed from the consequences of sin. That's what you need to do. Because it's been paid for many years ago. And tonight is time to make that decision. And the other thing, if God is true to his promises, we need to continue to hold on to that truth. Even if we haven't seen, even if we haven't seen the result. The other thing is, the other question is, how much does he mean to you? How much does Jesus mean to you, believer? I'm speaking to the believers. Look at this. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. I'm talking to the believers here tonight. 
A lot about our life here in America is equivalent to a dollar amount. Do we agree? Some of us are paid per hour. Some of us are paid by salary. But America and the society here in America dictates that our life be spent mostly to make money. Do we agree? Yeah, you can say, okay, it's, a, it's fine. Work is not evil in itself. Right? We have to work because he who does not work does not eat. I tell people who don't work, I tell them to work. I tell people to, that work too much, I say, stop working. <laughs> right? So if you ask me, then what's my point? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, there is a point of working, right? But if, if you're not working, you need to work. Because your body, your life is designed to work. Because there's blessing in working. But there's also a trap of working too much. If we are working too much to a point that we have neglected the most important thing, which is our relationship with the Lord, then believer, you are wrong. You need to adjust your life to not give Jesus an equivalent of 30 pieces of silver. How much does Jesus mean to you? Some of you will say, oh, my life. My whole life. Okay. Then let's see it. Right? This is, this, is, this is how they said you spell love. T-I-M-E. Time. It's the same with our loved ones. We say we love our, our family. How much do you spend time with your family? We say we love our, our, our spouse. How much time do you spend with your spouse? Other than arguing, okay, I know the arguments will happen like an hour and a half. After that, how much do you spend time with your spouse? You know, sometimes our spouse, they'll argue with us, so they'll have that time with us because we're not spending time with them. I'm not saying I'm an expert at this, but <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> no, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's their way of, of doing it, of spending time with them. It's the same way that God does, deals with us. God will throw challenges in our lives if we're forgetting Him, if we've forgotten Him. Because that's the only time we go down on our knees and pray to Him. When these challenges arise, because when we're healthy and we're wealthy, we're out and about on a cruise, sipping on our margaritas. <laughs> right? I'm not saying I'm any better than you, because I've done it before. When things are going well, I forget to go to church. When things are going wrong, man, I'm at church first thing, Sunday, on a good day. Some of us, we've forgotten that Jesus is our all. And here's our last point. This is the cost of following Christ. This is the version, the passionate, the Passion uh, Translation, TPT. As massive crowds followed Jesus, he turned to them and said, When you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. Yes, you will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my 
followers. And anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own, or he cannot be considered to be my disciple. Now, you still want to be Christ's disciple. Are you still a Christ follower after knowing the weight? Now, I'm not just talking about church titles, right? I'm not just saying this is just for those who are leaders in the ministries or, or deacons or deacons' wives. This, this is just not for them, for us, although it is. It goes to every Christ follower. If you call yourself a Christian, a little Christ, you have said that you are a Christ follower. And this is the weight. There's no other way. I, I, how I wish there was any other way. But that's not what the Bible says. Now, if you cannot do this, then you cannot be his disciple. That's what he said. Well, that's a lot of weight, isn't it? But you know, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what does that mean? We need to be connected with our Lord time and time again. Amen? The Holy Spirit. We are the branches. The Holy Spirit is the sap. Right? And the sap is the one that, that, that gives that nutrients to the branches so that it will bear fruit. Jesus is the vine. The Holy Spirit is the sap. Now, if, you're, if your life is not producing fruit, then you are probably not connected with the vine. The question is, for how much did you do that for? Judas did it for 30 pieces of silver. And he hung himself afterwards. Now, I'm not casting guilt. Well, too late, Pastor. <laughs> too late, Joe. <laughs> I guess I, am, I was. No, that's not the point. The point is to give the urgency. The point is to give the truth. Yes, God is true to his promises. And yes, we are not true to ours, to him. But praise God, we are saved by grace. But if we call ourselves a Christ follower, there must be something that we need to do, which is mostly self-denial. Amen? Our society tells us to do it all. You only live once. Do it now or else. It's now or never, Joe. But Christianity tells us, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth that you've given to us once again tonight. I pray, Father, for the Holy Spirit and all your believers, Lord God, to just make the message resonate in their minds and in their hearts to give them the urgency to obey you in whichever way you've moved them and spoken to them. And I pray, Father God, for those who are hurting, I pray for comfort for them. 
I pray that they will continue to look at the goodness of you and your promises and the promises that you have done in their lives in the past. I pray that they will be honest enough to say that you've been good to them before. And I pray that the Holy Spirit in them will just continue to tell them that you continue to be good to them. Father, I pray for salvation for those who are lost that has heard the gospel tonight. I pray that this will be the night that they will just say yes to the truth and accept the fact that they are sinners and there's no way for them to save themselves but accept the gift of salvation that you've given many years ago. Father, I thank you for your people. I pray and speak blessings, Lord God, for them. I pray that you give them the desires of their hearts, Lord God, as they continue to delight in you and your truth. I pray for this church of yours, Lord God, that we will continue to be obedient to you and to be used by you in every which way we can. Father, I pray that you find everything about tonight pleasing. We thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving.